Welcome to the Find Your Purpose Now podcast. We are delighted that you are here because this is for you. We do this to help you find and live your purpose, the good purpose that's uniquely yours. Because when you find it, everything starts to just fall into place. You're happier, you're more peaceful, you have better relationships with good people. It is remarkable what happens when you are living in the sweet middle of your purpose, the purpose that you've been perfectly matched to live. The great news is you're in the right place to find it. So let's get started. Jenny, I'm so glad that you are here with me on this podcast. Today's going to be amazing, Rhonda. I think it's really what we're going to talk about today is super, super important because oftentimes our self-perception is really where we begin a lot of work. I mean, as far as you and I are concerned, self-perception is is important. And especially when we've got some yuck in there about our self-perception that can hold us back from finding and fulfilling our purpose. So I think this is going to be really important today. I do too. I, I think, um, you know, nobody wants to do this part. I mean, this is, this is kind of the work of it, of finding one's purpose, but it's so incredibly important because it's foundational. So when I think of, uh, our self-perception, I'm thinking about what we really believe about ourselves. And we can think that we are all that and a bag of Doritos, and we can think that we've got it going on, and whatever issues that we've had in our life, we're just, you know, they're behind us, and we've pressed through, and we've moved on, and it's all good. And then every once in a while, something may happen that that sort of raises up something that we thought we dealt with a long time ago, Mm -hmm. or we thought was just not even a thing. Mm -hmm. And so in order to, those wind up being bumps in the road. So in order to avoid those bumps in the road that happen on the way toward fulfilling our purpose, it's really important that, uh, you know, that we talk about what we really believe about ourselves. So, um, I want to start with childhood messages. So the kinds of things that we heard as kids, maybe I'm I'm thinking about, for example, I I didn't have I wasn't raised with siblings, but you were, and I'm thinking, okay, well, how how important is that in terms of you know somebody who maybe was compared to a sibling? Mm-hmm. Uh and birth order, the kinds of things that, you know, sort of the labels that get put on you when you're a kid, if you're the oldest and you're expected to sort of keep your younger siblings in line or you're expected to help uh, around the house in a much greater way than the other ones are. Or let's say one of them is a, one sibling is a spectacular athlete and another one is not athletic at all, but would prefer to. Uh, be in 
you know, in the band or, or in drama or sit and read a book and, but are, but are compared. And so then consequently feel less than and, and how that plays out later on in your life. So I don't know, maybe you could talk about that because I know you had siblings. Well, what's interesting, Rhonda, is there's so much research about birth order, you know, and I'm certainly not an expert on birth order, but I think there are some trends within birth order. For example, the oldest child, like you said, the oldest sibling is typically the one that has extra jobs or takes care of other, you know, and most of the firstborn, including my own and other people that I've known, the firstborn tends to be very responsible. And there's a perception, I think, for especially a firstborn to take care of other people. And so when this plays out later in life, I think it's very important that a firstborn, and again, I'm not an expert or a scientist or a researcher or whatever on the subject, but just if we look at it and say most firstborn I know, when they have a time of weakness, they'll, their self-perception is, oh, I can't be weak right now. But the reality is they might be going through a season where they need encouragement, where they need you know, people around them or, you know, a a spiritual transformation, perhaps of just being encouraged when they're having a hard time. Then you have the middle child who's often the peacemaker between the oldest one and the youngest one. And this person is, I've seen middle children be that in their professional life. They have a self-perception that they should be you know, fixing conflicts between workmates or, you know, cubicle people or something's weird with the boss. So they want to, you know, bridge the gap. Well, those skills can be really good. You know, the firstborn kids can be super good at getting things done. But what about when you feel weary and you're having a hard time? you're going through a transition, you might have a perception that I don't know how to do this anymore. It's really hard. Or the middle child trying to be the peacemaker and you just can't do it. And then there's the babies of which I am. So the babies sometimes have a self-perception that we were spoiled or we didn't have as many jobs as everybody, or you had it easier than me, you know? And I think sometimes even when I was a young kid, sometimes for me personally, maybe I was a little bit more babyish, you know, or dependent on people because I had people around me that were doing things. So I had a self-perception that somebody would always help me with something. And it was interesting as I transitioned into college life and then married life, I was very alone. I wasn't around my family. I wasn't around anyone really that could help me. So I had to kind of shift that self-perception of needing people to help me and really rise up and be strong. And that wasn't a bad thing. It was just a thing, you know, for me personally. So I think that there is some validity to birth order and how it can affect our self-perception. And there's, there's good things and things that could be negative for some people. You know, I mean, sometimes people are, you know, very responsible and they like that feeling of being a first child. And then sometimes they don't, you know, I'm not here to speak for our audience, but I think it's something as we look at self-perception, I think it's important to think of what do I have in my backpack that's on my back about my self-perception that could be affecting me finding and fulfilling my purpose? Am I stuck? You know, do I feel powerless in a situation? What is it that might be affecting my self-perception right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, birth order is just one thing. 
if we think about all the stuff that happens in childhood. So, for example, you know, if a kid struggles uh, in a certain area or they feel like they're behind the curve um, of everybody, you know, everybody else seems to be getting this, uh, you know, difficult um concept in in their math class or whatever and here's this kid that despite asking questions and you know working hard and trying to get it is just not getting it I don't know if it this sounds like it's me but it it was me <laughs> in the classroom going I am I you know I read the chapter I'm paying attention I'm listening to everything the teacher says I'm coming in on lunchtime I'm as you know I'm like trying to learn and I am just not getting it whatsoever and when it looks like everybody else in the class is getting it and first of all as an aside I have to say everybody is not getting it they might have that you know they you think they are and you think you're the only one who is not getting this but no you're not so uh you know when we feel like we're behind on something or we've overheard a parent you know the mom say to her girlfriends or you know sisters you know her mother whatever you know i don't know she's just not meeting her mark or she didn't walk when she you know at x number of months whenever they say a child is supposed to walk and oh she's not making a complete sentence at this you know so a child can hear those kinds of comments or be in the classroom and not understand something and then sort of just automatically feel like they're slow Mm -hmm. they're they're not great at this or they're behind the curve and you know remarkably jenny what just is so profoundly sad to me i've known people who in their 30s or 40s still carry that like in the sort of the undercurrent of their life is mm, i don't know I don't really think I could, I'm not going to try for that promotion because I don't really think I could do it. And how humiliating it would be, right, if, if, if I got this big assignment and I couldn't pull it off or I took this promotion and I was awful at that, you know, with the new responsibilities or whatever. I think a lot of people absorb those childhood messages from the family, from the classroom, um, bully on the schoolyard, whatever it was. And they just carry them. Like you said, I like how you put it. They carry it on their back their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so I think we go back to all the time asking our, the question, why do I feel this way? What kinds of things are we willing to go back and examine that are affecting me moving forward? Those kinds of things. And, you know, you mentioned the relationships and, and things on the play. You know, I remember as a little girl having two really good friends and my mom always used to say three's a crowd. So very often two of them, it, whether it was me and one or another one and one, whenever those two were together and I felt left out, I realized how much I kept that on me. You know, my self-perception of being left out or rejected, you know, that, that really affected me until, you know, 
until several years ago where I just decided that was not worth worth it anymore. But recognizing, why do I feel this way? So I would walk into a situation and I'm just being transparent where, you know, I wasn't a part of things. I wasn't. But what I've what I've done is I've realized how being part of a team is part of my purpose. So Rhonda, what I did was I've analyzed the self-perception of being left out or whatever that was inside me as a child when they would <clears throat> run away. I mean, they were nice little girls or whatever, and they could listen to this podcast. I mean, I loved them. But the fact is they would run away sometimes and I would be the one left or I wasn't running as fast as them or whatever it was. And then when I was a teenager and you go through school and school's very hard that way, you can feel rejected. So then you get into adulthood. But again, when I probably was in my forties, I realized, you know what, what is that? What is that? Part of my purpose is working in teams, being part of something where I'm working with other people to accomplish a purpose. And so what I did was I took that negative self-perception. And believe me, it wasn't easy. But I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, it's as difficult for me as it is for anybody else to recognize a negative thing that I carried with me for years. And how can I turn it to meet the purpose? And how can that marry the purpose? You know, because I need to be with people working in teams. And I feel a part of things. And so what was really interesting as we're talking and I'm thinking of that, what was once a negative self-perception was really my sense of wanting to belong to something that I think it was part of me realizing I needed to be part of a purpose with a team of people. I think that's a really good um, example of connecting some dots. So you thought of a time that, um, you know, you didn't say it, but I was thinking, because I'm an empath, I, I automatically felt pain at the, at the idea, at the notion of, um, you know, other little girls running and, you know, you couldn't keep up with them or whatever. And so therefore you're left out. And the idea of being left out, I think, is a universally painful thing. And mm -hmm. I think at some point in all of our lives, we've been left out. We were, we were, if we look back at just childhood stuff that most of us as adults go, ah, oh, you know, let's not even go there. Let's not think about it. It was a hundred years ago. What difference does it make? Well, you know what? If, if we go and look for a little bit, we don't have to stay there. Right. But to look at stuff that was painful to us at the time. All right. So, so maybe the little, you know, whatever happened to seven year old Jenny, you think now is inconsequential. But as you thought about it, you realized you didn't like that feeling of being alone. You wanted to be a part of a group. I think that's pretty uh, universal. And I'm an, I'm an off the chart introvert saying that I like to work alone in a cubicle rather, I, you know, I'd rather be left alone, but I do get the whole idea of wanting to be a part of something, uh, wanting to be a part of a team, wanting to do something, uh, that's bigger than yourself. 
I get that. And I think a lot of people will get that. And so if we look back at those childhood things of not being picked for the team, right? You know, those kinds of things that have happened to lots of us that, you know, uh, with the last one left, nobody wants you, you know, and you're assigned to, you know, this person's team and everybody on that team groans and, uh, you know, well, those things hurt. And yes. it's okay. It's okay for us to look at it for a second and go, you know what? It re- that really did hurt, or whatever it is. Um, you know, your best friend moved away in the second grade, or or you're the one who moved away in the middle of high school uh, or middle school when it's really, really hard. Uh, you know, to go into a, a new place, a new school, new kids, new everything. You know, there are people that are, who have had those kinds of experiences, and if if they'll look at those painful things from their childhood, from their teen years, from their 20s, or, you know, whatever it is, if we look at the different seasons of our lives and we look back at the things that bothered us, those really can be clues for for what how we want to create the life that we were built to live that we were born to live you found out you wanted to be a team you didn't want to be a part of a team you didn't want to be the lone ranger and i think that's really important um for people who felt like they were behind the curve or they weren't good at math or um, you know, if if the family said, um, oh, you know, you're a dingling like Aunt Bessie, she's always been a dingling and you're just like her, whatever those messages were that we carry with us, you know, it might be time to to literally take that off, like taking off an old coat or sweater or something that we've had on forever that just doesn't fit anymore. Right. Right. And when being willing to let it go, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. People have been through very difficult circumstances and it's very hard sometimes to let go of some of those, you know, self perceptions. But I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves the question, does it serve me well to have that negative self perception? Is it serving me well in that? Is it leading me toward my purpose? Is it is it dragging me down? Uh, one of the things I did recently with a group of people was we were talking about um, comfort zone and courage zone out of a book that we're reading. And sometimes we can even be comfortable with a negative self-perception because that's what we've known for 20 years or 40 years or whatever it is, that kind of thing that's there. And it keeps us from going to the courage zone where we take a risk where we let some things go, where we move on. And that's so much related to our purpose, Rhonda, being willing to kind of get out of our comfort zone and take a look at what am I going to take with me? You know, it's kind of like going on an airplane trip and all you have is a carry-on. <laughs> what are you going to put in that you know you're going to wear, that you're going to use, and there's nothing, no extra room for anything? You know, it's funny, but I'm just saying it's it's kind of like let's not pack the huge suitcase because we, we want to lead people toward finding and fulfilling their purpose. And so it's important to have the things, the contents of your life 
be the things that are going to make an impact in other people's lives. That's really good, Jenny. That's really good. Because I think um, being aware of the stuff that we're carrying around that we don't need anymore, it's not serving us. Uh, you know, awareness is the first thing. Once we're aware of it, we can we can literally dig it out. I know in the past you've talked about, you know, in, in a, perhaps a beautiful piece of fabric, if it's white fabric and a, and a little black thread being in there, somehow got in there. And we have to, you know, dig around sometimes with tweezers to grab that thread and just pull it out. It doesn't go there. It doesn't belong there. And, and it's important to do because, um, I mean, all of this might sound uh, like nonsense to some people, but if we think about going to, you talked about going to the courage zone. I like the way you talk about that. If we think about, for example, starting our own business, or we've come up with something that really could be a great uh, new product or new service, but we don't take the step to patent it, to, you know, put it out on the market, or we have an idea for a business and we, and we just don't take that step to start the new business. Or maybe we want to go back to school to learn how to do, you know, the thing we've always wanted to do. And, uh, and we just don't send in the application or we don't go for that job interview for that, for kind of the, the job that's uh, a bit of a reach for us, but that we, we kind of secretly think we'd be good at. Well, I think the thing that holds us back are these are these negative self per, uh, perceptions, the things that we believe about ourselves, and thinking about you know more fearfully about our life. You know, mm -hmm. the, okay, so I go on the job interview and I don't get it. Oh, you know, I mean, we we think that we're going to die of humiliation. I don't really personally know anybody who ever died of humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and, I, and I've, you know, I've done a lot of things that uh, I've taken that step and taken that leap a lot of times. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but when it works, it's fabulous. And right. so, but we're far more likely to take the leap when we get out of that, you know, fearful place um, and, and we're more likely, I think, to get rid of those childhood messages and labels and all of that kind of stuff when we have a contextual awareness and perspective of where they originated. Mm. Like you looking back on, okay, the, you know, there's three of you little friends where you grew up and your mom having that message, you know, in your head that three's a crowd. And I'm thinking, okay, if I heard that when I was a little girl, I would, um, I was very literal, you know, maybe most of us are when we're kids, but I literally would have thought, oh, there's not supposed to be three. There's, a, there are only supposed to be two. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so I'm, I'm, and I would have automatically with my, uh, you know, uh, personal history of, you know, my mother leaving me with a neighbor and not coming back and, you know, abandonment and abuse and all that stuff. If there are three and one doesn't belong, I would automatically assume I'm not the one who belongs. As a matter of fact, if there are a thousand and only one doesn't belong or fit, I will automatically assume I'm the one who doesn't belong. And I will, even today, I would automatically say, I'll stay home. Don't, you know, don't worry about it. If there's not enough room, I'm the one who will leave or I won't go. So if we think about in context where that came from, so you can look back and go, well, okay, there were those two other little girls. Gosh, do I even still know them? Are they part of my life? Is it is it anything at all that has any influence on me or should have any influence on me right now at all? And, and it's amazing how... Um, we're able to sort of peel some of those labels off. Yeah. When we look back and go, oh, you know, like something that a relative said at Thanksgiving and the relative was three sheets to the wind. You right. Know? Or it's a miserable, unkind, you know, irritable person who said what they said. Gosh, really? You know, put it into context. Yeah. What are we, what are we going to let stick? You know, I mean, and it's easy to say because people can say so many hurtful things, but it's kind of like, what are we going to let stick? And, and how does it affect our purpose? I keep going back to that. How does it affect us moving forward, moving to a new horizon, moving to a new place in our life? We need to take the most valuable things. And although I think there's lessons to learn from even negative self-perceptions, we can learn lessons from them, but take the lesson and go. Don't take the bad perception and go. Those, those right. are two different things. I think we need to divide the lesson from a negative self-perception from the negative self-perception, literally, the, the literal self-perception thing. When, Like you said, when someone who doesn't have the right to say something that affects your self-perception, is there something you can learn from that? You take that. You take the lesson, you take the learning part, not the part that hurts so much. We have to get that off of us because it does affect our future. Yeah. Oh, that's really good, Jenny. So I just want to encourage everybody, you know, go back for a minute. Don't stay there. But, you know, go back for a minute and look back at those situations are there words that were used to describe you? Is there a conversation you overheard? Was it like a family thing that related to your birth order? Like, oh, you're the baby and, you know, now you're 59 and they still look at you like you're the baby, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, and and just, just become aware of where those things came from and uh, decide whether or not it's something that you want to hold on to. And, uh, or if, if it's something that is holding you back from finding your purpose, try to do uh, what Jenny did and connecting the dots between whatever it was that hurt you or bugged you, bothered you, irritated you, uh, didn't sit right with you. Think about what, what was happening and how that 
may have influenced you and how you connect the dots on that toward your purpose, like like Jenny did in realizing that she wants to be part of a team rather than work on her own. And then the last thing I just want to say is that thinking about what we believe about ourselves, it's it's great to get rid of negative labels, negative yucky things that we've been holding on to forever. But once we've done that, we want to replace whatever we peel off with what's inside of us. And we're going to talk more about that in the rest of this series about the clues to finding your purpose. But I'm thinking about focusing on our character traits, our hearts, our souls, our minds, the way we care for people, our virtuous behaviors. Um, There's so much good inside of us, our beliefs, our values, um, our, our perspective, the way we see the world, the way we see other people. We're, we're just, we're rich with all of these beautiful things that are inside of us. And we, um, unfortunately, don't think enough about those things. So I just want to encourage everybody, re- recreate your self-perception, starting with who you really are, the good things that are in you. And, and not any old yuck stuff that may or may not have ever even applied or may or may not have ever even been real. It might have just been, uh, you know, something that, like the little girls who ran away from you, Jenny, not like they were even running from you. Maybe they right. happen to be faster runners. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, some of the stuff that we're carrying around is probably wasn't even intended to harm us to begin with. So that's what I want to leave everybody with. So we'll see you next time. And keep looking for your purpose. It is discoverable. And when you find it and you start living it, there is absolutely nothing like it. Hey, you. Yes, you. I think you're awesome. And if you're not sure about that, then I want you to have a copy of my book, How to Get to Awesome, 101 Ways to Find Your Best Self. I want you to have it so badly that right now I have it offered on my website with free shipping for half off. It is only $6.48. Go to Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A dot O-R-G, click on books and get yourself a copy of How to Get to Awesome. Did you know that the very things that have hurt the most can be the things that help you create a successful life? It's true. You can succeed 
in life, personally and professionally, not just despite what you've been through, but specifically because of it. You gained character traits. You learned specific abilities that you would not have acquired any other way. I want you to get a copy of my book, Succeed Because of What You've Been Through. Go to my website, rhonda.org, R-H-O-N-D-A dot O-R-G, and get your copy today. Thanks for joining us at the Find Your Purpose Now podcast. Listen, we do this for you. It's all about helping you live the purpose that you were born to live. Because when you do that, you get the peace and joy and good relationships that you strive to have. This is real success. So we hope that you'll share this with a friend, subscribe, and come back and see us next week. And we would love to hear from you. Go to findyourpurposenow.org. Thank you.